We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Geico presents sharing versus oversharing. Way early this morning, Brad Higdon shared a major spoiler alert from everyone's favorite hit show, sad emojis to express his feelings about the plot twist and a playlist he made to drown out his sorrows. Dude, oversharing alert. Brad, Geico has something worth sharing with those who haven't defriended you. Like how you could save hundreds on your car insurance at Geico.com. So stop moping about the post-apocalyptic world and start saving in the real world. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code ROTOWIRE when you deposit for a free contest entry today. I'm Jake Letarski, joined today by Eric Katuria. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find Eric at ETCAT30. You can find myself at JakeSki52. Eric, how's it going so far today? Uh, any drafts under your belt so far, or just sticking to mock drafts and planning? Yeah, I'm doing well. I actually haven't had any drafts yet, um, but 
mocks are kind of on the docket this week to kind of prepare for the upcoming what let's say three to four to maybe even more than that mm-hmm. yeah. drafts that have i'm in the same boat i've got about five scheduled for the next two weeks yeah. so it's going to be very busy you i know, mean just hometown and office leagues and yeah. uh, with partners and stuff it's it's getting there but i like your mock drafts definitely I'm in yeah that mode. and you you know you prefer to have like your drafts a little closer to the season so you kind of know the mm-hmm. injury situation the landscape there as well as like uh, maybe any job battles have kind of parsed themselves out a little bit. Yeah, usually after four weeks of preseason football, some of those yeah. tend to level out a little bit. I, as commissioner of my hometown league, I will try to avoid, if at all possible, doing any draft while there's still a preseason game on the schedule. Labor right. Day is my favorite draft day, to be honest. Exactly. Everyone's back from camping on that Monday <laughs> and, and is good to go. Right. All right. Well, it is the afternoon of Tuesday, August 18th. Once the season gets underway, Eric and I will be talking waiver wire ads for the upcoming week. But as we mentioned, a whole lot of people haven't drafted yet, so we're kind of going over draft strategy and and other types of topics on the podcast today. So today we'll uh, discuss the top news of the day before diving into running back position battles in the NFC. Before we get to news, I want to mention a quick reminder that this podcast is now available for subscription on both iTunes and Stitcher. So please leave us a nice review if you happen to be listening on those platforms. Help it out a lot. Yeah, there you may have seen some trouble as listeners uh, listening to it on Stitcher in like the first two weeks. If for whatever reason wasn't showing up, we've figured out that tech issue, so you can actually find it on Stitcher now. Okay, so we're good to go on all fronts. There, sorry about any technical difficulties in the past, and of course, you can always go on the RotoWire website and listen to them directly from there as well. Uh, you don't need a subscription to listen to podcasts at all, but if you do want to look at the subscription content, go ahead and try RotoWire.com/pod, RotoWire.com/pod for a free 10-day trial to the website. With that, we'll move into some news, mostly quick hitters today, not a huge uh, Tuesday morning for news. I guess you could say we are recording it this afternoon. But to start off today, it looks like Kelvin Benjamin, who's been dealing with a hamstring injury, he got he kind of returned to practice Tuesday, so that's got to be a good sign for owners that are thinking about drafting Benjamin or have already been drafting him. And, you know, these injuries are a little bit uh, concerning, I guess you could say, when they when they last linger around for multiple weeks. But do you think the Panthers were just kind of playing it ultra conservative here? Is there anything to worry about with Benjamin? I, I find it a little worrisome since he has been dealing with this issue since OTAs in May. Mm-hmm. It's now been upwards of three months that he's been or nearly three months that he's been dealing with this issue it'll be something to consider I guess when you're drafting on the other hand we saw Odell Beckham Jr. deal with a similar issue and probably even worse of an issue last season and exploded onto the scene so it just kind of depends on the player and really like outside of Greg Olson in Carolina he's Cam Newton's best threat so Mm kind of have to keep him where he is in your uh, um, draft uh, preparation yeah, I'm right on board with that. And with Benjamin, it matters. Uh, it also affects the outlook of Newton a little bit. Currently, I mean, in my in my top 200 overall rankings, I've got Newton as a top 50 player. I really think he's going to break through with a pretty good season. I like the rushing yards he produces. But yeah, absolutely want to watch the status of his top target, Calvin Benjamin, because Greg Olson will catch a lot of passes. I think the rookie Devin Funches, who's been climbing up a lot of draft boards lately, I think he might be able to play a role in his rookie season. And of course, a similar running game with uh, Jonathan Stewart, Fozzie Whitaker, even rookie camera artist Payne might get himself in the mix. So the offense is looking to be quite an improvement from last year. 
Um, in other top wide receiver news, I uh, read this morning that Elshon Jeffrey, who is dealing with a calf injury, he's unlikely to play in Saturday's preseason matchup with the Colts. Of course, uh, noticing that DraftKings has been hosting a lot of preseason contests lately, all of this has become a lot more newsworthy than it normally is. This doesn't really change Elshon Jeffrey's status as one of the top receivers, probably a top 15 overall pick, top 20 maybe. On, on draft boards but in the absence of Elshon Jeffrey is there anything you can take advantage of on DraftKings with that are we thinking I mean the name that comes to mind for me is Marquez Wilson but do we the, use this news at all uh setting preseason or are you are we careful I guess one other guy to consider is uh Eddie Royal no matter the circumstance uh, since he'll just explode out of nowhere you never know when it's going to happen we've seen it a lot of times early in the season mm-hmm. uh in past seasons um, yeah eddie royal second on the depth chart right now of course mm-hmm. uh with kevin white dealing with his injury and yeah i know we rec- i know clay and i last week thursday recommended uh marquez wilson for a potential DraftKings value play and it didn't pan out the, very well but like we've been saying he's been impressing in camp and although I'm not really high on taking him with a draft pick when the regular season rolls around I, I do still like him as a daily play in, in DraftKings preseason formats for sure absolutely and another uh, noteworthy preseason news here Peyton Manning 39 years old he could play the entire first half of Saturday's preseason game against the Texans this is according to the Denver Post Normally, when you think of a guy like Peyton Manning, you think veteran experience. He's been around the league forever. He's broken most records, if not on his way. What does he really have to benefit with a preseason game? But if this does hold true, well, I guess first off, Eric, you buy in a whole first half of play, and is that enough to throw him in a DraftKings lineup? Because preseason's all about playing time, right? Uh, just a question. Did uh, uh, Coach Gary Kubiak say this? I, be, I believe it was just a, uh, a Denver just, Post reporter. I didn't I didn't see the actual article, okay. so I don't know what Kubiak's stance on that is. But mm-hmm. at the very least, uh, the, the speculation, if you want to call it that, is putting it on the radar. And you know with Manning and that offense and those weapons, uh, they are playing the Houston Texans, so one of the better front sevens defensively in the league. I don't know if that detracts you from using him in a preseason lineup at all, but one of the toughest things I found when playing DraftKings preseason last week was trying to pick that quarterback that's going to take most of the reps. And Garoppolo from the Patriots was a pretty safe bet last week. I'd assume he'd be the same. I thought maybe Ryan Fitzpatrick would get some more reps last week. That didn't quite work out here. But if you can, it's a, it's a story worth following because if you can lock down a quarterback for a whole half of play on any team, really, it's like going by the minutes when playing daily NBA or something like that. You want, you want to be able to use him like that. Yeah. So uh, I, I guess I, among Denver quarterbacks, I like Brock Osweiler better. I mean, you feel like he's probably going to get about two quarters of play every single mm-hmm. preseason game, um, especially, I mean, despite this Manning news that Manning might play the entire first half. I don't really believe that. Yeah. That, that, don't, that scenario only happens in the third preseason game. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we, we always see the starters get the whole entire first half of run. Um, I I'd be really surprised if he gets that first half on uh, Saturday, probably more like one quarter mm-hmm. max. Yeah, I'm thinking a couple series, and it'll depend on how they play out. If he comes out and he goes three and out two or three times in a row, which obviously highly unlikely with this high-powered Denver offense, then he might play a little bit more. But yeah. I, I'd, I'd say first quarter is the upside, and I am in agreement with you there. Again, taking the story with a grain of salt because it is Peyton Manning, and what more does he really have left to prove in the preseason? Might as well save his his body and anything else. Yeah, I mean, outside of like Osweiler, 
Um, I kind of like Chase Daniel in Kansas City and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in New England for, you know, mm-hmm. preseason DraftKing lineups. Those guys are probably going to get a lot of run since their quarterbacks in front of them are veteran presences. Um, yep. And they showed pretty well in the first preseason game. I'd even watch maybe Jimmy Clausen from the Bears a little bit uh, sure. over the weekend because yeah, Cutler will play only a series or two. And then you go to Clausen. I mentioned Wilson before uh, kind of uh, opening up when we were talking about Elshon Jeffrey. But Clausen threw for, I, th- I believe, over 150 yards. Didn't quite find the end zone in the preseason opener. But as you know, a little foreshadowing here, we're going to talk about running backs a little bit later. There are plenty of quality running backs in Chicago behind Matt Forte and a decent amount of receivers that should be able to at least keep Clausen busy. And if he's playing into the third quarter against the backups, I think there's some real upside there. Sure. All right. Another uh, position battle. I mentioned we're going to talk about running backs later on, but in the high-powered Green Bay Packers offense, you always want to watch any position battles that are going on right now. And I'm referring specifically to the tight end battle. Uh, This is really between Richard Rodgers and Andrew Corliss. And it looks like Richard Rodgers has gained the edge pretty much surpassing Corliss for the number one spot on the depth chart there. Uh, Corliss had a couple drops in the preseason opener against New England that looked pretty bad. I guess uh, as as people that follow the Packers more closely than most, are you, are you surprised by those? And will you consider Rodgers as, as potentially a tight end too in your fantasy drafts this uh, year? I don't. I honestly don't really like either of the Packers. Um, tight ends in terms of fantasy value. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Corliss is perhaps subject to a suspension to start the year, which gives Rodgers that leg up that he's already taken advantage of clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, and Corliss, I mean, we, I guess we don't need to go into the specifics of that suspension, but it's just some off-the-field issue. Exactly. Um, but, yeah, like I actually see the Packers probably leaning more on their wide receiver core more than ever before this season, especially since it's, so, it's pro- probably the greatest strength on the offense mm-hmm. outside of Aaron Rodgers himself. Yeah, absolutely. And we've hyped up Devontae Adams quite a bit early on in the season, and he's kind of got the big body of a tight end that you might yeah. be looking for in the red zone, so he could take some of those red zone reps. And of course, we can't forget about Eddie Lacy Indeed. and the running game. And just in terms of ADP, neither of these tight ends are being taken in any yeah. any 14-team formats. We're looking at uh, just among tight end, Richard Rodgers is 28, and Corliss is, is way down here at 38. So uh, you're looking at a tight end. T- if you go by the ADP, you're looking at a tight end two job for Rodgers in a 14-team league. So that's qu- quite deep. Uh, I mean, if you are in a deeper format, I could I could see you maybe using a late-round pick on him. He's just kind of a high upside guy because you never really know. Maybe he does take another step up in his next year in the league. But, of course, you know how many points Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to be putting up. So anyone that's starting on that lineup is worth consideration, I think. Yeah, so outside of the top three wide receivers in uh, Green Bay, uh, we have Ty Montgomery as a rookie. Mm-hmm. He has really good size, six feet two twenty one, which is kind of comparable to a tight end. Do you mm-hmm. see him perhaps like filling kind of that role a little bit in the passing game? It- but not specifically a tight end role, but like that bigger bodied role. Yeah, I mean, like I, I think that goes more to Devonte Adams a little bit. Yeah, I, of course, in four wide receiver sets, Montgomery's going to get his get his chances there. I believe. I don't think uh, going down the road, Jeff Janis, Aberdaris, any of those guys are going to be able to beat Montgomery and the upside he brings. Of course, Montgomery getting on the field for punt returns, it seems like. But really. The job that Montgomery would be uh, would be occupying is is kind of the job of of Randall Cobb in the slot there for sure. So it, he's going to be blocked at least for a couple of years, especially considering that they re-signed Randall Cobb. Okay, so we're probably just going to see 
higher usage for the top three wideouts and mm-hmm. probably what we've seen, or probably status quo with, say, Richard Rodgers and Andrew Corliss. Yeah, very similar okay. to last year for anyone that's uh, been right. watching the Packers, and that's what I would expect. In other wide receiver news, just want to touch on Brashad Perriman of Baltimore. He's dealing with a strain slash tendon, just kind of damaging his knee. He underwent another MRI recently, and it didn't show any further damage than we originally thought. He's expected to be back uh, and ready by week one. But my worry with Perriman is that you're going to miss the rest of the preseason most likely and missing a lot of practice time too here. And Baltimore, uh, you know, we lost Torrey Smith early in the year to San Francisco or during free agency. And really, the wide receiver depth chart in Baltimore is looking a little bit thin. You got veteran Steve Smith at the top, and Perriman's right up there in the mix. Do you think missing time is going to affect his ability to have a role in this offense? And and how does it does it change your outlook at all on him? It probably does hurt him because Kamar Aiken and Marlon Brown both already have experience in the offense and have that rapport with, um, you know, uh, quarterback Joe Flacco so I can I can totally see them um, kind of taking advantage of the situation mm-hmm. yeah it'll be tough for a rookie receiver and, in any situation to climb up the depth chart like that without practice yeah I, I kind of see him like we already talked about this last week but um, his ceiling is probably like Martavis Bryant like he's probably a poor man's Martavis Bryant as a rookie mm-hmm. um, just like that deep vertical threat and not much more Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he's when he is up and playing, I'd probably say wide receiver. I know he's rated a lot higher than this on many people's draft boards, but I'm looking at him as more or less a wide receiver three. Uh, yeah, in, in in not PPR formats because that's a little bit risky to roll him out. I think you can find some cheaper slot receivers to be able to get to scrape together some more points if you're going that deep with a guy like Perriman. Right. And finally, with the news for today, just an update from Houston. Still really no timetable or expectation as to when uh, the Texans will make an official decision on who their starting quarterback is going to be. Of course, Ryan Mallett, Brian Hoyer, battling it out for the job still. Um, it's, it's, I mean, as someone who covered the Browns last year, I, I saw a lot of Hoyer didn't really impress me a whole lot over the course of the season and of course he eventually got replaced by Johnny Manziel there but of course in in this uh in this scheme they've got going there there's uh they're not going to have Arian Foster to rely on for the better part of the the first part of the season but uh at the same time is there any fantasy value to find in either of them to be honest I mean Tom Savage led all quarterbacks in passing in the first preseason game and uh he threw a touchdown there what what are you thinking about how this battle plays out, Eric? Well, uh, we saw Hoyer obviously get the start in the first game, and he only had one drive, but threw mm-hmm. a lengthy touchdown pass, correct, to DeAndre Hopkins? What, or was that? No, sorry. Who was his touchdown pass to? Cecil Shorts. A Cecil 50, Shorts, A 58-yarder. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's very interesting if he can build a little bit there. I mean, Hoyer has a lot more in terms of weapons than he did last year in Cleveland. I mean, last year in Cleveland he didn't have – Josh Gordon anywhere at any point he was getting dealing with uh guys like Andrew Hawkins Taylor Gabriel really undersized wide receivers and I mean Jordan Cameron missed a handful of games in the earlier in the year as well so I don't think we got to see Brian Hoyer in his full potential there I know that he backed up and learned from Tom Brady for a couple years in New England uh Mike who you listen to later on the podcast, uh, of course, is is never shy to remind anyone that he was once a Patriot and, and learned from uh, a guy like Brady. So he's got the experience. He's got better weapons. But 
I mean, Ryan Mallett was really a lot more efficient in the preseason game. I mean, his yards per target was half of Hoyer's, but it's hard to tell with Hoyer's small sample size. But, I mean, Mallett completed 10 of 11 passes, and in this next preseason game for Houston, maybe they flip-flop starters? I, I mean, where do you think they're going with this? Yeah, it seems like they want to give them equal opportunity. Um, so, yeah, maybe they give Mallett the first series like they just gave Hoyer, and then Ma- then uh, Hoyer gets more run, you know, well into the second quarter like uh, Mallett just did to, mm-hmm. you know, see if you can actually put together multiple successful drives. Yeah, that's another reason why we're not really waiting or we're not trying to jump on fantasy drafts too early because you want to see position battles like this play out a little bit before you decide to go in and of course these guys are are no much more than a a quarterback two quarterback three in a two quarterback format really no need to take them in a standard 12 team format but speaking of fantasy drafts if you are out for the evening and you've been drinking please get a ride call a cab or find some other safe way home because getting arrested for drunk driving can cost you a lot more than an arrest and a fine you could face legal fees court costs the loss of your license and more Right now, cops all across the country are cracking down on drunk driving, and they'll see you before you see them. Drive sober or get pulled over. With that, it's time for our safe sleeper pick, uh, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over. Uh, You know a handful of us are going to be having some drinks at our fantasy football drafts, and that definitely can lead to bad decisions in the later rounds of drafts, but you could even make a worse decision and get behind the wheel afterwards. But Anyway, moving along, this will kind of transition us into our NFC running back position battles. But our safe sleeper pick of the day, sponsored by Drive Sober or Get Pulled Over, is Amir Abdullah of the Detroit Lions. Now, Eric, he's someone that's rising up uh, a lot of draft boards there. Uh, Do you want to kind of explain to the listeners how they distributed carries in uh, the preseason opener on Thursday and just any general thoughts on Amir Abdullah, a pretty trendy name leading up to draft day? So yeah, Abdullah started the game, of course, in, in place of Joey Bell, who is uh, still dealing with offseason surgery to his knee and Achilles. Mm-hmm. And Abdullah actually had a pretty ridiculous 45-yard run. Did you see that? I did not get a chance to see that it, on it was, film. I'm still was, getting through. <laughs> I mean, a, as a uh, Big Ten uh, fan, aficionado, you probably saw a decent amount of Nebraska. It kind of looked like that, like when he mm-hmm. would just run all over opponents at Nebraska. Uh, So he had uh, seven carries for 67 yards, mostly on the basis of this this 45-yard run. Uh, But in the first four-and-a-half drives, he actually pretty much split the work with Theo Riddick. Mm -hmm. And Riddick had a uh, fair game as well with eight carries for 35 yards. Yeah, and I saw Riddick did catch one pass out of the backfield. Amir Abdullah, not really much of a threat to catch out of the backfield. So if it's in a PPR format, maybe we downgrade him just a, just a tad bit. For we sure. didn't see him do much of that at Nebraska. So yeah, like Theo, Theo Riddick, they probably had him specifically run because they already know what he can do in the pass game. They know that they're going to roll him out there in that pass-catching role out of the backfield during the regular season. Why not see what he can actually do with kind of a little bit of a workhorse role? Mm-hmm. And the trends at the top of the depth chart at the position there yeah. are starting to gear uh, shift gears in the favor of Abdullah just a little bit. Now, we know Joyke Bell, not too much of an update on his preseason progress yet. He remains on the physically unable to perform list with, like you said, knee and Achilles injuries. But nonetheless, he's still the 26th overall running back in terms of average draft position. But Abdullah, like I said, is creeping up right behind him. He's sitting at 27. And, of course, if we go further down the depth chart, I don't have Riddick's ADP in front of me, but he is, a, the way I see it, a late-round flyer in PPR formats at best. Uh, 
probably not going to worry about him in a standard format. Yeah, among, one of these guys among running hurt. backs in the NFC, NFFC, he's uh, 58, which is 198 overall. That's well out of most people's uh, draft boards. Yeah, for you, especially for the position when you've got to fill up the rest of your roster. But you know, there are those 16, 18 teamers out there where for sure. he could provide some value in a PPR. Of course, that's very dependent on the two running backs ahead of him. But I mean, Abdullah's creeping up right on bell and i would bet by the time we do this podcast next week there's a pretty safe chance that he surpasses bell in terms of average draft position i'm sure you know draft season starting to heat up a little bit and the quantity of drafts going down are is increasing every single day so i think these these numbers will start to even up more based on the preseason news here so in addition to his work as a running back he actually had one kick return for 25 yards and actually got, took a fair catch on his sole punt return so he's going to be used in all aspects of the game too and we mentioned last week that there are those rare leagues where you actually count return yardage like that could uh put him over the top slightly and you know leagues like that those rare leagues that actually include that exactly and that's why it's important to use customized cheat sheets instead of just a general cheat sheet because you look at guys that are neck and neck in ADP right now battling atop the depth chart projections somewhat similar you need you kind of need that extra factor to really set one apart from the other and if your league does count return yards a lot of the rotowire tools are able to implement that into your rankings and then maybe Abdullah will show up a couple spots ahead of a guy like Joyke Bell there uh, I mean Jeremy Ross another option for kick returns but we've seen plenty of him in Green Bay he's kind of a wrist to muff one at any point but uh, so who knows how they how that plays out yeah regarding Joyke Bell um, we haven't actually had much recent news on him mm-hmm. um, as of last Thursday leading into their first preseason game there was a thought that he might actually return within a week, but now he only has two days to achieve that end. We have no mm-hmm. idea if that's going to happen. So, I mean, you're just going to have to take a wait-and-see approach with him. Yeah, absolutely. Those uh, intensive fantasy owners should definitely be tuned into uh, Detroit's running game, or at least check the box score and the play-by-play to get to get a general idea of how that went down, especially if you're considering either of these guys. Now, I'm placing a pretty high value on Abdullah, but I think it's almost too late in draft seasons to really – separate myself because of that notion i think a lot of people are going to be thinking the same thing and i'll probably have to pay a pretty hefty price for him if i'm going to take him right at this point Mm -hmm. but that pretty much settles the detroit running back battle situation we're going to move on to another nfc position group that's very cluttered a lot of question marks and that is the arizona cardinals and of course this sparks up again because we've talked about in the past how bruce arians has been waiting for someone to kind of jump out and claim that job and we speculated a little bit on free agent signings and that went ahead and happened Monday when the Cardinals went out and signed uh, former speedster and former fantasy stud Chris Johnson what do you think the ramifications of his signings are for the remainder of that backfield most of which is pretty injured right now I mean yeah indeed um (laughs) so on Tuesday Bruce Aarons before practice said everybody was going to be a full practice. Okay. Um, so that means that even though David Johnson returned in a very limited role on Monday, he's supposedly going to be a full participant on Tuesday. Um, when Andre Ellington returned from his own hamstring issue, issue a week ago, though, he was actually limited in that first practice despite Arian saying that he would be a full participant. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you should take that with a grain of salt and realize that Johnson is probably just ramping up his workload slightly, 
which would make sense considering he's coming off of grade two hamstring strain. Anyway, I believe Chris Johnson is going to act as a compliment to Andre Ellington, assuming everybody stays healthy. Yep. Yeah. And it, it pretty much not much different than what he did with Chris Ivory last year with the Jets. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious. I, I'd imagine he keeps himself in pretty well football shape if he's looking to sign teams and who knows what type of speed is uh is possibly I don't know if it takes a hit or if it's still there at this stage in his career I mean the guy's been around a while uh 29 years old I'm just looking at him and uh uh, last year only posted uh let's see 663 yards on 155 attempts so that is actually uh, a 4.3 yards per carry it's a little bit better than his season before that with Tennessee but uh, yeah, pr- pretty much his carries per game cut in, was cut in half from his entire career for six years with the mm-hmm. Titans. Uh, but he still averaged 4.3 yards per carry, which is almost in line with his career average of 4.5. So, I mean, as, if he's in that complimentary role and his um, you know, reps are limited uh, behind Ellington, I think he can have a decent season. But I don't know, where, where would you actually consider drafting him? It would have to be quite a while. I redid my yeah. PPR rankings today for the Rotowire composite top 200 that we're working on, and I squeaked Chris Johnson right into the end of my top 200, but I'm not quite ready to move him up past 185 overall quite yet. Yeah. Uh, if anything, it affected my view on Ellington, which I finally dropped out of my top 50 in a PPR format, and a lot of people might say that's a little bit harsh, but I didn't do that because I'm scared or confident, I guess, in what Chris Johnson can bring to the table I did that because man this coaching staff must be so down on Ellington that they had to go out and sign another running back to compliment him and and a pretty big name one at least who's going to cost you know the the veteran minimum of a handful of seasons there under his belt there so it's not necessarily me being hesitant on or not hesitant but me being bullish on on Chris Johnson but it, it just the coaching staff with that mentality makes me worried a little bit. And just for perspective, dropping him out of my top 50 meant I put him behind players such as Joseph Randall, Frank Gore, Justin Forsett, and Todd Gurley. Some of these we're going to talk a little bit more about later, but uh, I'm actually pretty high on Randall uh, taking that job in Dallas. Frank Gore, you never know, with Indianapolis. Forsett with Mark Tressman. If he is the workhorse there, that's potential there. And Gurley we're going to touch on a little bit later, but I, I feel like he's right within that tier. If anything, maybe a little bit of a step behind here, especially if he's splitting time. Yeah, I mean, I think the Chris Johnson signing is more about the state of the running back core in Arizona as a whole rather than Ellington himself. I think the coaching staff, including Arians, uh, trusts in what Ellington can do. And we did see that in his uh, uh, 57-yard reception in Saturday's preseason game. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more to do with uh, Kerwin Williams having fumble issues throughout the um, training camp so far, specifically in the red-white scrimmage two Saturdays ago. And also David Johnson dealing with his hamstring injury, the lingering hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. So I, you're right. Like it is concerning to see this signing and and think about it in terms of Ellington's value or where you would think about taking him. But I I think you should maybe think about um, Johnson uh, more as the running back situation as a whole. Like I think the addition as a whole, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And this running back situation, I know we're trying to focus on the NFC, but it reminds me a lot of a team that I covered, the Cleveland Browns, where you've got Isaiah Crowell at the top of the depth chart, but Terrence West, Glenn Winston, and Duke Johnson were all dealing with various injuries. So the rumblings started 
that they might consider Ray Rice as a potential option, giving a guy like him a second chance. And of course, with all the distractions that the Browns have had lately, that might not be the best idea, but it's a similar situation, not because they don't necessarily have faith, although Patton has been a little bit disappointed in the lack of an emerging starter, but just because they're trying to maybe cover their bases. And once all those guys get healthy, that name will probably be washed away and they won't have to worry about it. But the Cardinals, on the other hand, went ahead and were proactive about it and made something happen to fix the woes. So, yeah, regarding just a quick side note on the Browns, um, just a question about them. Uh, Does Coach Mike Pettin actually, has he put his, like, word behind one of those guys? Like, yeah, like... Arians does support Ellington at every turn, even though he's always disappointed that some injury props up, you know? Yeah, see, we don't quite have that going on in Cleveland. I think Crowell is the number one guy by default, just based on his projection last, or just his production last year, and the fact that he's been able to stay healthy so far this season. So he gets the job for that reason. He's actually, if anything, Patton's been disappointed at the failure of someone to jump out and grab that job necessarily. Okay, But if you're drafting now, the man's Crowell. Of course, the other options are dealing with injuries Terrence West even you know there's been rumblings of some maturity issues some stuff that he's working on uh, as a very young player there so uh, you know they need what they would really use is maybe a, a long time experienced veteran to kind of lead the group and uh, and teach them a few things there but overall <laughs> I guess that's even less clear than Arizona but we're going to move on to uh, another team. We're going to head on down to the NFC South there and uh, talk about the Atlanta Falcons, where Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, uh, they've both missed time due to hamstring strains early on. But uh, we did see that both of them returned to practice on Monday. However, at the same time, they've got a preseason game coming up Friday against the Jets. The Jets gave up uh, quite a few rushing yards. Actually, let me look at the total to be exact. The Jets gave up 193 yards on the ground to Detroit in the preseason game, in the preseason opener there. So there could potentially be room for some production if you're playing uh, DraftKings preseason. But we're really more concerned about the start of the regular season and how this type of running back situation is going to play out. I mean, you've got Freeman and Coleman. Antoine Smith even had flashes, had a couple big games last year even, and if you can pick those right, especially in daily, you could have some major room for profiting there. But is this running back situation one that we're trying to avoid for the most part? I mean, Atlanta's offensive line has had their fair share of struggles in the past. Yeah, I guess I would avoid it in most regards, whether it's you know daily, preseason, uh, or just regular season draft. Um, I don't know, like you're getting you're, – <laughs> You're really going to have to take a wait-and-see approach or just take a shot in the dark like late in drafts and you know hope one of the whichever one you take actually pans out. Yeah, these guys are hardly running back threes in your standard 12-team formats. Uh, again, going back to ADP, uh, Tevin Coleman, 30 overall. Uh, Devontae Freeman, 34 overall. So you're looking at an RB3 in a 12-team format, but if you're counting on one of these guys to start, you've got some significant problems at the position, and you should probably be drafting sleepers, backups to star players, rookies, lesser-known guys with the majority of the rest of your picks with the hope that one of them can jump up and replace one of these guys. I know we like to talk about the wide receiver, wide receiver strategy early in drafts, especially in the three receiver PPR formats, and if you're doing that, you're taking a lot of running backs towards the end, but counting on one of these guys as your RB2 is is not going to be a safe play by any means. Yeah, I guess if you want to talk about like the two top guys skill sets uh Devontae Freeman is more the all all all-around option he's a decent receiver 
he has experience in the zone blocking scheme, which Atlanta is going to employ this season. Mm-hmm. So that's something to keep in mind, like maybe f- for Coach Dan Quinn to like lean toward him getting you know first and second down snaps, uh, whereas Coleman is more of the home run threat. At Indiana, um, half of his 28 touchdowns went for 40-plus yards. Mm-hmm. So it's not – I mean, he's a heck of a lot better player than Anton Smith, but you might see him be more that home run threat as a rookie more than anything. Mm-hmm. And Anton Smith might get in there and as possibly like a third down back or some screens and sure. hitches maybe. I think that would be a good role for him, but I just don't <laughs> – not sure if he gets enough snaps on the field oh, in the first place to sure. become fantasy relevant. That's the biggest blocker there. But, of course, if any of these hamstring injuries – we mentioned they're back at practice on Monday, but if any of them do turn out to be more serious than originally anticipated, then all of a sudden he – goes on the map in deeper formats or maybe a waiver wire option for us to talk about later in the year did you did you see anton smith left the last friday's preseason game with a hamstring injury too oh hamstring hamstring so, trio so everybody is dealing with a hamstring concern there yeah it's pretty much uh <laughs> not not a favorable situation at this point you got to be thinking why don't we just resign stephen jackson right right <laughs> at least get a veteran workhorse i mean i mean you, uh, you can't say that he is the a staple of good health over his nfl career either but you never know. They could they could even be a Ray Rice potential suitor. I I haven't. That's, this is just an inkling, like me shooting from the hip here. I haven't read yeah. anything to indicate they're actually interested. But I think he could be maybe an okay fit in that offense. Yeah, we we all know Stephen Jackson is waiting for Jerry Jones to call. Like he he oh, yeah. he's tweeted a few times, like intimating that he wants to join the Cowboys and mm-hmm. you know have the Lone Star on his helmet. Yeah, I mean as a free agent we're better placed to go than the Dallas Cowboys with right. that offensive line to run behind. If you're going to have a good year past the age of 30, you might as well take do it behind the best offensive line in the league, in my opinion. For sure. Absolutely. Well, football season is just a few weeks away at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. Last season, eight players won a million dollars in one day just playing fantasy football. Don't just dominate your season-long leagues in 2015, but also play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com. Head on over to DraftKings.com now and enter promo code ROTOWIRE for free contest entry today. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter ROTOWIRE for free entry now at DraftKings.com. Well, moving on here, we're going to continue with NFC position battles, specifically focusing at running backs. Just a quick recap. The first couple pods we did together, we went receivers in the AFC and the NFC. We're going to do NFC running backs, and there's two more teams we want to discuss a little bit today before signing off. One of them we kind of hinted to a little bit earlier there, and and that is the Chicago Bears. Now, they play them they find themselves in a in a division with a lot of weak run defenses so uh there's really no question about the starter here Matt Forte but what are you thinking about his uh backups prospects after the first season preseason game and and just moving forward it's a pretty crowded backfield after him yeah some recognizable names yeah indeed so Jaquiz Rogers who was previously in Atlanta who we just talked about uh he actually got the initial reps uh out of the backfield in uh the first preseason game on Thursday uh, well, I'll just go in order of appearance here. So Jeremy Langford made the next appearance. Uh, those are the only two backs to get run in the first half. And then in the second half, Kadeem Carey, who was actually the second string back last year, got the initial carries in the second half. And then Daniel Thomas and Centerize Perry followed. Um, we actually saw Centerize Perry amazingly have the uh, 
uh, best stat line of the five. 10 for 89 yards and one touchdown and a kick return for 42 yards. But that was against uh, entirely third stringers and worse than that. So mm-hmm. you probably don't want to take uh, – you should take that with a grain of salt. But uh, I, it, when it comes down to it, I'm probably considering Jaquiz Rogers and Kadeem Carey to be the main guys behind Forte. Yeah, I mean, we talk about Perry. Of course, he has the best stat line. Preseason box scores are very deceptive. They'd have to keep five running backs realistically for him to make the team. Now, if he's returning kicks, he could make it in in that situation if he can prove his worth on special teams. But regardless, there probably isn't too much of a a need to, to even consider him in fantasy. We're looking at Forte, of course, number one. His... He's been going kind of in the late first round, early second round of drafts, and... I've mentioned my concerns about him in the past. Uh, We know with Mark Tressman being the head coach there and pretty much running the offense in Chicago for the last couple seasons, he always liked to lean on just one back specifically, and that was Matt Forte. And Forte has been absolute fantasy gold over that just because of the passes. If Jay Cutler's in trouble and panics, which happens quite often, (laughs) dump it off to Forte as a security blanket. At least that can help, or just kind of throw it up into the air to your what what once was an NBA team of wide receivers there. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I'm, I am concerned about Forte going to turn 30 in December and just not being an every down back, probably getting his snaps reduced under the new scheme with John Fox there maybe scares me a little bit there to the point where if I'm taking Forte with an early pick, I'm going to try to handcuff him with one of those guys. And do you think Jacquez Rogers is your best bet for a Forte handcuff? Um, I, I mean, he has the best track record or the mm-hmm. I shouldn't say best track record but the only track record among the guys in mm-hmm. Chicago right now so yeah that that's a recognizable name um okay so in past seasons uh Forte has missed games in 2011 and 2012 and those two seasons we actually saw two different backs have decent seasons in 2011 it was Marion Barber he had 422 yards rushing and six touchdowns when uh Forte missed four games, and along with that, Khalil Bell had 337 yards and one touchdown himself. And the next season when Forte missed one game, Michael Bush uh, came to town and had 411 yards and five touchdowns. I think that was more of Bush being somewhat talented rather than taking advantage of the situation Mm -hmm. since he only had one start, of course. But we have seen in the past when Forte misses time, the – running the running back behind him actually does have some fantasy relevance um other than that though the running backs really don't do much yeah and just to kind of build off what you said there names like marion barber michael bush they kind of get the reputation more of power backs yes you could say so i don't know if jeremy langford or kadeem Carey are these type of guys and and, and jacquez no. rogers definitely isn't Rogers just a little guy, 5'6", 196 pounds. Langford, the biggest of the three, 6 feet, 208. And Kadeem Carey, 5'10", 207. So if anybody is going to take over that Marion Barber, Michael Bush type role, it could very well be Langford. And you got I'm a little bit skeptical about Kadeem Carey. I mean, not that I have a ton of faith in the Bears front office, but yeah. at the same time, they took Jeremy Langford relatively uh early in the draft here uh actually in the fourth round so i mean and they drafted kadeem carey the year before so one would think they're a little bit disappointed in him uh if they're going to take a running back that early in the draft the very next season now again looking at the box score 
Kerry did have the better game out of any of those relevant names. Of course, I'm going to discount Perry a little bit, uh, playing against the third and fourth stringers there. Uh, Jeremy Langford, a little disappointing, only four carries for one yard. But this could very much be a situation if Forte misses time or if he has to split time. I think you're going to see Rodgers between the 20s and probably Langford in those goal line scenarios. So Langford would be more of the Bush barber. But of course, we're getting way out of ourselves here because Forte is still the number one. Yeah, so in college, Langford was more of a ground-based running back, but in uh, <clears throat> sorry, in the first preseason game, he actually caught both of his targets for 14 yards. So that maybe Ooh, is something that. to keep in keep in mind. He maybe they're trying to develop that skill, or maybe he already had it. He just didn't uh, need it that much at Michigan State. Mm-hmm. And it helps that after Cutler was out, Jimmy Clausen was the only other quarterback to play for Chicago. Yeah. So not the worst backup that could be throwing you the ball and running the offense, that's for sure. For sure, and he's probably going to be more dinking and dunking anyway than uh, throwing downfield. So it makes sense that the running backs were getting uh, targeted that much. Yep, I'm right there with you. Well, uh, we'll move on from Chicago and head on over to St. Louis there where the Rams have quite the logjam. Well, maybe not logjam, but there's a lot of question marks again, like most of these teams surrounding the running backs in St. Louis there. Now, in terms of ADP, Todd Gurley's your man at 24 overall among running backs. Then, of course, Trey Mason at 29 overall among running backs. And if you want to continue to go way down the depth chart, Benny Cunningham, 78th overall among running backs, pretty much undraftable in most types of formats there. Now, Gurley, five spots ahead of Mason, understandable, but definitely can't forget that Gurley is coming off a torn ACL, and he's expected to miss, quote, eh, the first couple games of the regular season. So we know he won't play in the preseason, and we don't really won't really be able to get a clear picture of what he has to offer. And pretty much during training camp, he's been limited to individual drills. Now, Gurley still seems to be the front runner right now, but do you worry that that could be part of a fantasy, almost a fantasy trap that a lot of people fall into where the running back doesn't quite get the reps early on and they kind of turn to the guy who's more familiar with the system? Because Trey Mason, after coming onto the scene last year, he had several solid weeks and was absolutely worth owning in a lot of both daily and season-long formats several times there. So it makes me question a little bit uh, when Gurley comes back, but at the same time, I do have Gurley ranked a little bit higher on my composite PPR rankings, even with the prospect of him missing a couple games. Am, am I crazy, or, or or what are we thinking here? Gurley's still the guy, right? Um, yeah, Gurley is the guy, but early on, we already, like you said, he's going to miss a few games, a mm-hmm. few games in quotes. Yep. So you're going to have to consider, I mean, you're going to have to own or you're going to have to own Trey Mason, right? Yeah, uh, no he had, about that. As a rookie last year, he had uh, two 100-yard games. Um, those were Week 11 against Denver and Week 13 against Oakland. Um, when he did play somebody in division, though, his composite uh, stats were 80 for 299, which comes out to 3.7 yards per carry and a touchdown. In, and he actually played all six division opponents, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, he kind of had mediocre games against in-division opponents whereas when it was somebody a little bit unknown he broke out so if you look at the schedule the Rams play the Seahawks in week one you probably don't want to try out Trey Mason in week one after Mm -hmm. that though they take on the Redskins and the Steelers so Mm -hmm. those might be fruitful um, outings uh, for Mason then after that we're going to be on the girly watch like we might see him come back soon thereafter if he's only missing a few games yeah any point after that and I'm glad you brought up the schedule thing because Arizona Seattle and San Francisco all ranked not not just in the top half but in the top 13 
just run defense i'm talking rushing yards allowed per game mm-hmm. in the 2014 season and i know san francisco took a couple hits this offseason uh but seattle and arizona should both have very formidable run defenses once again some oh, yeah, of the better sure. ones in the league seattle i don't see why they can't be number one or number two i think uh detroit was one of the only teams with a better run defense last year and i don't think we're going to quite see that this year with without nadamik and sue there yep. so looking at rams running backs there's no question that the schedule does come into play mason is going to be helpful for your first couple weeks you might want to you know there's a daily angle to play here if mason comes out and has a dud in week one against seattle his price will probably be quite a bit deflated by the time he hits washington in week two so there could be some profit in daily for that but in season long you're it's you're taking a little bit of a risk that Gurley doesn't come back and, and live up to expectations and of course Gurley is one of those picks in fantasy where you have to make those high risk high reward picks if you're going to win leagues and he I could see him busting and not really catching on all season but at the same time I could see him you know taking the rest and really recovering I it's tough to understand how someone's going to respond from an ACL injury of course we all see what Adrian Peterson did very rare type of freakish athlete there so who knows what Gurley will be capable of after that but hey I mean the Rams still liked him well enough to draft him in the first round and, and make him the first running back as well ahead of Melvin Gordon yeah and yeah ahead of Melvin Gordon which is a bit surprising to us up in Badger <laughs> country there so we can understand the, uh, the upside there Todd Gurley you know would have had almost as good of a college season as Gordon if the injury wouldn't affected things but he his injury pretty much derailed Georgia's season uh last year a little bit and it's very understandable why he's one of the top guys so like me you haven't actually had any mock drafts yet even right I've done a couple mock oh, you've drafts done here mock- I just I, I don't really keep track of the order I do so many so oh, I'm sorry <laughs> so anyway you don't recall like how early Gurley may have went in comparison to Trey Mason or just the running back picture as a whole well just looking at overall uh ADP he's not yeah. actually in the top 50 uh in terms of NFFC ADP and I'm looking overall players of course the guy's yeah. the 24 running back so something to uh yeah, to think he, about there he, yeah uh, his composite is actually just outside of the uh, top 50 at 58.7 so yeah so right in there so we're looking at um fourth fifth. round at the earliest yeah. probably fifth round is the most likely scenario he's going to go so if you're big time on the girly train you're going to have to pay a decent price for him mm-hmm. uh, even not having him for the first couple of days and and this is where you want to be careful where say you have the first overall pick and it, it's the it's coming back to you and you have a chance to take girly again because you don't think he'll be back by the time it gets back to you you need to take that into consideration is is it worth it to punt week one and two in football because you won't have Le'Veon Bell for the first two games and maybe maybe not Gurley for the first two games either is it worth it to punt those guys and get value on the high upside guys or I don't know if it's me I'm probably taking it a little bit more conservatively and 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 drafting at least one player I could use yeah I definitely don't want to start 0-2 so (laughs) no way in heck I want to do that there your chances of actually making the playoffs in that scenario are slim we've seen that in Pat like in studies from past seasons so Mm -hmm. you definitely don't want to be punting you know first two weeks or even the first week 
Yeah, it's a very you're definitely playing with fire there, and I've yeah. seen it happen before where guys can come back, but it, it is rare, and you don't want to be climbing an uphill battle all season long. Might as well get yourself off to a, a great start on the season. Yeah, and hey, you're in the right place listening to our fantasy football podcast yeah. to to get going here. Yeah. Well, with that, thank you for listening to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast, brought to you by DraftKings.com, the leader in daily fantasy sports. Use the promo code RotoWire when you make your deposit for a free contest to entry. Today. Also, please be sure to check out Rotowire free for 10 days by going to rotowire.com slash pod. That's rotowire.com slash P O D. I'm Jake Letarski alongside Eric Katuria here. If you're out there on Twitter, you can find us at ETCAT30. That's Eric. You can find myself at Jakeski52. Thanks again for listening, everyone. Any and all feedback, as always, is recommended. And as usual, Mike and Nick will be back with you tomorrow. <laughs>